We are in a series looking at the Proverbs. Last week, Pete kicked us off. Uh, ancient wisdom for modern times. And we've been inviting everyone to read a proverb, a day that corresponds with the actual day of the month. Uh, as I like to say, uh, a proverb, a day keeps the foolishness away. And so if you, um, it's, it's June 12th, so read Proverbs 12. And we do it contemplatively, we do it reflectively, we do it prayerfully. And so hopefully that'll take us as a community together that we're reading scripture and growing um, together. But before I begin, I want you to think of an issue uh, where you need wisdom today. You need wisdom in your life. All of us in this room, at one point of our lives or another, or every point of our lives, we need wisdom. And so maybe you need wisdom in your marriage or relationship, maybe financially, uh, maybe in your workplace, maybe vocationally, career-wise. So where do you need wisdom? And I want you to just hold on to that. Because as I preach today, I want you to hear my message through the grid of your specific need for wisdom, because God wants to speak to us in very wise and clear ways uh, this afternoon. And so hold on to uh, that situation that you need uh, wisdom for. And so let's pray. Let's invite the Spirit to speak to us as we enter into this text uh, in Proverbs uh, chapter 2. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for gathering us in this place, this third service, and I pray that you would speak to us through the power of your Spirit. Give us wisdom and revelation that the Spirit offers, and may we walk out of this place having encountered the risen Jesus through the pages of Scripture. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. One of the more common experiences in life that we have is needing direction on the road when we are lost. And many of us have been lost on one point or another. During these moments, a good amount of people, uh, mostly men, studies show, uh, have a difficult time asking for directions. That for whatever reason, usually men, uh, have a hard time asking for direction. And so there was an organization called uh, Trek Ace that uh, wrote this statistic. Uh, and these, this organization makes GPS-powered devices. And they made this observation that men will clock up an extra 900 miles while lost during their lifetime. 900 miles while lost during their lifetime. And so that's basically the distance of New York to Florida, okay, New York to basically New York to Florida, 900 miles that people will go places they didn't have to go. But because many refuse to ask for help or ask for directions, they find themselves going places they didn't have to go to in the first place. Now, as we're in this message today, I want you to hold on to that illustration because uh, Proverbs speaks about really three kinds of people. Pete talked about mockers, fools, and the wise. And today we're going to really focus on uh, the fools and the wise. And I want you to hold on to that because this is the central uh, truth that I want you to hear today, that the wise are those who search for wisdom. Fools try to figure it out on their own. And I've been a fool many times, and maybe you've been a fool at one point in your life or another. The wise are those who search for wisdom, operative word search, 
The fools try to figure it out on their own. And so today I'm talking about the wisdom of searching for wisdom. And when we think about wisdom, Pete mentioned last week in the great sermon, uh, this definition and really of prudence and of wisdom that a wise person thinks ahead, patiently giving careful thoughts to the long-term implication of their decisions. And I like that, patiently giving careful thought to the long-term implication of their decisions. And so we learned last week that wisdom doesn't mean education, that wisdom doesn't mean wealth, that wisdom doesn't mean accomplishments and achievements because you can be an educated fool. You can be a wealthy fool. You can be an accomplished fool, a fool with many degrees. And so wisdom is about living skillfully like Jesus in the midst of a very complicated world, living skillfully, wisely like Jesus in a very complicated world. And so becoming a Christian is not just about receiving forgiveness, receiving grace, going to heaven when you die and all that. Receiving for, uh, re becoming a Christian is also about growing into wisdom, becoming a wise person, becoming a wise community. And the older we get and the more we walk with Jesus, the more wise we are to become individually as well as collectively. But you and I know that doesn't always happen that you could walk with Jesus and still not become wiser. In Pete's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, I think it's the first chapter, so I was rereading it again this past week. He writes about a new lifer back in the day who made a very interesting observation, and this is what he said. He said, I was a Christian for 22 years, but instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. I just kept doing the same things over and over and over again. And sadly, many of us can relate to this, but we're called to grow in wisdom. And so our passage today is really about the wisdom of searching for wisdom. And this is what we see in Proverbs chapter two, beginning in verse number one. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The book of Proverbs is divided into two sections. It's the first section is chapters one through nine, which gives you the overarching reason as to what is a proverb and why we should be living according to this wisdom. Proverbs chapter 10 actually begins the Proverbs of Solomon and others. And so Proverbs chapter one through nine is about why we need the Proverbs, the urgency of it. Proverbs 10 begins the actual Proverbs. And what I wanna focus on is that, that first section because that first section, chapters one through nine, really uh, speaks about the urgency of wisdom, the urgency to live a wise life. And so the father in the Proverbs is always instructing his son with an urgency and importance that to grow in wisdom is critically important. 
important. And so here's the paradox that we have to hold on to. Uh, in the book of Proverbs, especially the first a few chapters, we see that wisdom is readily available, that it cries out in the streets, that wisdom shouts in the street corners, that wisdom uh, is, is, is screaming aloud to us. Yet at the same time, the paradox of the Proverbs is, although it's shouting in the streets, you and I are called to search for it. Now, which is it? If it's shouting, why am I searching? That's the tension of paradox, something that seems contradictory on the surface, but when you look beneath the surface, you see there's wisdom, uncommon wisdom. And so the Proverbs say, God's wisdom is shouting in the streets, but you must search for it. I like uh, Annie Dillard. She's a famous author. She wrote about really this paradox as it pertains to writing. And I think it applies as well to wisdom. This is what she says. She says, at its best, the sensation of writing, and I would say wisdom as well, is that of any unmerited grace. It is handed to you, but only if you look for it. You search, you break your heart, your back, your brain, and then, and only then, it is handed to you. From the corner of your eye, you can see motion. Something is moving the air and headed your way. The writer in Proverbs, Solomon, he's pleading with us. It's like God pleading to us, the first nine chapters, to be proactive about searching for wisdom. Wisdom is available, but you have to search for it. And you get this in chapter two in the book of Proverbs where there is this escalation of urgency as to why we should be searching for wisdom. And so look how, look how chapter two reads. It says, and look at the escalation of words. It starts off by saying, if you accept my words, then it says, if you store them, if you call out for insight, look at the intensity, if you cry aloud, if you search for it as for hidden treasure. As this proverb progresses, there is an escalation of urgency. And here's the point. Wisdom is not automatic for us. Foolishness is. You don't have to learn how to be foolish. We got that. You don't need to take a class to be foolish. We're good on our own. But we have to grow into wisdom. We don't grow into, we're already foolish. We grow into wisdom. And so the Proverbs are like a plea, God pleading with all of you in this room, saying, search for wisdom, and the searching is an urgent searching. Now, all of us, there's urgent searching and there's non-urgent searching, and we've done both. I, I recall I, I, one of the, uh, the car before, the one we have right now, uh, when we got it, they gave us three keys, three sets of keys, one for me, one for my wife, and one just in case we lost one. And I don't know about you, but I'm a chronic loser of keys and glasses and phones. I'm just like, man, this is going to be bad when I get older, you know, and just, I got a chronic loser of keys. And so the first key we had out of three, misplaced it. Couldn't find it, searched for 15 minutes or so, but I said, you know what? We got two other keys. We're good. A few months later, Rosie, have you seen that other key? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, let me look around. I, I can't find it. Don't worry. We have one more key. And then one day, I'm driving, 
Go to play basketball down in Chinatown with a couple of new lifers. Get out. It's dark. I'm going back into the car. Can't find my keys. And so uh, Frank Favilla, one of our new lifers, I said, Frank, I need you to look with me. We went back into the gym. We're walking all around the block. I'm inviting strangers to search with me. Just come on, just help me, sir. My wife is not going to let me come home. You know, just, I'm just dry, walking, and we're searching. Not, I mean, we are paying attention to everything. And after about 30, 40 minutes, we finally found that it was right next to where I got out, right next to my car. I got out the car. It fell out right there. But when I was searching, there was an urgent searching. That's the kind of searching that the Proverbs calls us to. Not a nonchalant kind of, if I get wisdom, I get wisdom. It's no, please urgently search for the wisdom that God wants to give. And so the first nine chapters of Proverbs are like one big plea. God's saying to you and I, get help. Search for a different perspective. Don't make decisions in isolation. Trust in God because what's at stake with the Proverbs is not just whether you live a little better life. What's at stake in the book of Proverbs is life and death. That's what the Proverbs is trying to get to us. Whether you make wise or foolish decisions is not a matter of whether you're going to have a good life or decent life. It's a matter of life and death. Which is why next week when I talk about the wisdom of words, life and death is in the power of the tongue. The Proverbs basically say this is not just about enhancing your life a little bit here and there. What's at stake is life and death. Wisdom leads to life. Foolishness leads to death. Therefore, God is pleading with all of you in this room, search for wisdom. The Proverbs shout to us, don't suffer needlessly. Don't suffer needlessly. However, many of us will make decisions in isolation without searching for wisdom, and we will suffer needlessly. Sometimes I wonder, how much suffering did we go through that we didn't have to. I wonder when we see God face to face if he'll have a printout for us, a chart. Just to say, you see this area of suffering? You know, that I had you go through that because I had a plan. See that big chunk of it? I, did, I don't know what you were doing right there. <laughs> In this respect, I like to have two categories of pain and suffering. I like to call it divine pain and dumb pain. Divine pain and dumb pain. Divine pain is pain that God uh, permits us to experience because he's trying to mature us. He's trying to grow us up. He's trying to build our character. And so God maybe allows us to go through certain things. John 15 says that Jesus prunes us. He cuts us back, not just so he can hurt us, but so that more fruit can grow. And so there's this divine pain that God enables us to go through, but it's for the sake of maturity. It's for the sake of wisdom. It's for the sake of building our character. Jesus says words like, take up your cross and follow me. That's not a day at the spa. That's pain. Take up your cross and follow me. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's divine pain. But then there's dumb pain. Dumb pain is pain that you didn't have to go through. But you went through it. You got into a relationship that everyone knew it was bad. The dog knew it was bad. The dog is like, he's like, this this is not good. And you did not search for any other perspective. He said, no, no, this is it. He's the one. She's the one. No one's going to tell me anything. And then months or years, a couple of years go by, and you realized that was dumb pain. Dumb pain. You made a quick financial decision that caused years to fix. And you realize that was dumb pain. You overcommitted yourself to something. Someone said, can you help me with something? And you didn't even think about the implications of it. You didn't think about being prudent. You just say yes. And then you look at your calendar and realize, I have no time to do all this. But I said yes already. It's like, this is just dumb pain. You signed a contract without reading the fine print, you know? Just dumb pain. And you would think that, uh, that in a generation like ours, that searching would come naturally for this generation. And the Proverbs help us to keep us from experiencing dumb pain. But you would think in our generation, searching should come easy. We, we live in the Google generation. All we do is search. I was reading this past week some uh, interesting stats about Google searches, that the average number of Google searches per second is 2.3 million. That right now, in the past five seconds, over 10 million searches around the world have taken place. The total of monthly U.S. desktop, this is not your mobile phone, searches per month, 11 billion. The number of unique Google searches per month, 1.17 billion. So here's the irony. We are a generation that knows how to search for information, but we don't know how to search for wisdom. We have a lot of information, but information doesn't make you wise. And many people can have information, but not have wisdom. The question is, why don't we search? Why don't we search out for the wisdom that's calling out in the street? that's shouting out in the streets. And as I thought about my life, and as a pastor, I've met with many people that for whatever reason did not search for wisdom. And the question is why? Why don't we search out for wisdom? And as I thought about it, I thought there, there are at least three reasons why. And someone gave me a fourth at the end of the service. I'll add that for bonus material for the third service. The third service always gets bonus material. You guys here. To search for wisdom really implies that I don't have the answers. And not having the answers implies that I have limitations. And having limitations implies that I have weaknesses. And we don't like to show our weaknesses. And so really the first reason is, is fear. We fear judgment. If, if I let someone know I need help, if I have to search for wisdom, asking someone for help, it exposes me. And I'm afraid that if someone hears about 
the wisdom that I need in a particular situation, I'm going to be judged. And so maybe you made a financial decision, maybe your marriage or relationship is in a certain place, and you fear if I tell someone about this, even in the search for wisdom, will they judge me? And so in order to avoid that, we suffer in isolation, fear. We also don't search, though, because of pride. Our pride keeps us from asking for help, for searching for wisdom. And we do it in the name of self-sufficiency. We, we live this thing that says, I'm self-sufficient. I don't care. But, but self-sufficiency is not a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it's a fancy way of describing pride. That's what it is. So to say I'm self-sufficient is just a fancy way of describing our pride. In the New Testament, the, the, we are really encouraged over and over not to be like the religious leaders, not to be like the Pharisees, because wisdom incarnate was standing right next to them in Jesus. But they were too sure of themselves to listen. They had their pride. They had their arrogance. And so fear keeps us from searching and asking for help. Pride keeps us from searching and asking for help. But what's beneath that? What's beneath the fear and what's beneath the pride? And I would say, really, it's shame. All of us in this room, to one degree or another, we carry shame. And so searching for wisdom reveals our weaknesses, and many of us are ashamed of our weaknesses. We desperately want to search for wisdom maybe financially, but to have to tell someone where I'm at and how much I owe, and how I'm living paycheck to paycheck, and how I'm, to actually let someone in re reveals my weaknesses. And so as a result, the shame has such a grip on us that it keeps us suffering in isolation. And so what begins to happen then is we begin to construct a self, a false self, that we project to the world that says, I'm strong. I know what I'm doing. I'm stable. And so people, this is the crazy thing about church. We see each other on Sunday and we go, wow, that person looks really strong. That person looks really stable. That person looks like they have it together. But if we all had a little surveillance cameras in our homes, we would see how frail all of us are. But what happens is we build a false self that protects us against other people. And so we want to let the world know, I'm strong. I'm competent. I'm stable. I have my act together. But deep down inside, you know you're frail. You know you're weak. And yet the fear, the pride, and the shame keeps us from searching for wisdom. And so what we desperately need is a revelation of the gospel. Because the, the gospel reshapes our fear. The gospel reshapes our pride. The gospel reshapes our shame. And the message of the gospel puts Jesus where Jesus needs to be and puts us where we need to be. And so the question is, what is the gospel? I'll tell you in three words. The gospel message is very simply this. 
Jesus is Lord, which means you are not. <laughs> which means I am not. Jesus is Lord. That's the core of the gospel. And that proclamation is to remove the burden that we often carry in isolation and in silence. Because only God has the capacity to be self-sufficient. One of his names, one of the names for God is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Only God is self-sufficient. And the self-sufficiency of God is within Trinitarian relationship. And so even God has community, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so only God is El Shaddai, all-sufficient within oneself. But because Jesus is Lord and you are not, we need help. We need to search for wisdom. And our refusal to get help is one of the subtle and insidious ways that we try to be God, and we are left down a path of self-destruction. And so this is why Jesus came. One of the reasons Jesus came was to show us what it was like to flourish as a human being. And look at, look at the example Jesus gave us. When Jesus came, Jesus did not come as a fully self-sufficient adult. He could have just, you know how Terminator came, part one? He just came as an adult. He could have come just like that, but he doesn't. He, come as, he comes as an infant, radically dependent on other, this is God, comes as, when Jesus uh, does his ministry and he's thirsty, he asks a Samaritan woman for a drink, I need. When Jesus is about to go to the cross, he has the cross holding on to it, but there was a point where he could not carry it himself. Simon, another man needed to come and, and carry the cross for him. What Jesus is demonstrating to us is what it looks like to flourish as a human being. And to flourish as a human being means that you need help. That you need to search for wisdom because only God is the all-sufficient one. We are not and so where in your life have you allowed shame and fear and pride to keep you from searching for wisdom, to keep you from getting help? Maybe your marriage is in crisis and you're saying, you know what? Maybe you've decided we're gonna, we'll fix this by ourselves. We don't need a counselor. We don't need a therapist. We'll fix it by ourselves. And I hear many people doing it in the name of God. In the name of Jesus, saying stuff like this. We, 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 we have Jesus. That's all we need. No, you need somebody else too. And so in the name of God, we don't ask for help. It's this thing we do. And maybe you're, fighting, you're, in, a, you're in a place financially, and you know you need help, but you say, you know what? It's just the, the shame and the pride and the fear is too overwhelming to let someone else in, even a professional. And so I'll fix it by myself. Maybe a big decision at work. Should I leave the job? Should I get a new job? 
Should I follow my heart when it comes to my vocation or should I do what's before me? We need to search for wisdom. And so the wise search out for wisdom. Fools try to figure it out on their own. And so the question is, where do we search? If we understand why we don't search, the fourth thing was laziness. That was the thing, laziness. We're just so lazy. So, uh, I'll do it tomorrow, you know, just lazy, you know, lazy. That was the bonus thing there for you, lazy. That's why we don't search, but where do we go to search? Where should we be searching for wisdom? And there are many places to go, but I just want to close here by talking about uh, three places to search for wisdom. Three places to search for wisdom. And uh, just for, I'm not a big fan of alliteration, but these all start with P, all right? So you won't forget these here, all right? The first is prayer. Where do we search for wisdom? We search in prayer. The wisest man in the Old Testament, Solomon, became wise because in prayer, he asked God for wisdom, in prayer. I like how the story goes. It says, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. The Mets win the championship. You know, that's what, I, that's what I'd say, you know. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people. This is Solomon's response, a great people, too numerous to count our number. So give your servant a discerning, wise heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Verse 10, the Lord was pleased. Nothing pleases God like when we ask for wisdom. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies. Many of us would have been praying for that. But for the sermon and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. Never underestimate the wisdom that can come in prayer. You have the wonderful counsel of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That there's a connection by God's grace to the source of wisdom dwelling inside of us. And yet, the crazy thing is we have Jesus Christ through his spirit living inside of us. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Jesus Christ is our wisdom. And yet, all too often, we don't ask for wisdom. We don't pray for it. And actually, uh, we, 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 we actually live a cliché when it comes to prayer. Most of, the, most of the cliches that Christians say is, 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 let me pray about it. Have you ever said that? Let me pray about it. And I notice something about when I say, let me pray about it, and when I hear other people say, let me pray about it. Usually when we say, let me pray about it, it's usually our way of delaying a no that we want to give to a person, but we're too afraid to say it to their face. Can I get $20? Well, let me pray about it. <laughs> hey, can you give me a ride over here? Well, let me pray about it. I got I to pray about these things. Can you help me do this? Well, uh, when, when is it? In two weeks. Well, let me pray about it. 
As you know you just want to say no. No, I don't want to give you $20. No, I can't give you a ride. No, I don't want to help you. That's what we want to say, but we just dress it up with Christian language. Let me pray about it. And often, we don't even pray about it. What we do often, uh, I heard this language recently, is instead of praying, what we do is we think at God. We think at God. But thinking at God is not prayer. Thinking at God is just thinking at God. Prayer is a radical openness to God's will. Prayer is um, creating interior space to listen to what God might be saying. That's prayer. Thinking at God is, I'll maybe do some pros and cons and think about it out loud, but that's as much as I'm going to do. Prayer is your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so if we're going to cultivate wisdom, we need to grow in prayer. This is why silence is so important. I love Pete gave this card out uh, last week, and these cards are available downstairs in the lobby area if you didn't get one. Uh, Really, we need silence and stillness. And at New Life, really, our, our prophetic declaration over and over is, you need to be silent. You need to be still. You need to be quiet because God wants to give you wisdom. And so how do we grow in wisdom? Well, we grow through prayer. We also grow in wisdom through the pages of Scripture. The sad reality about our society is we live in a biblically illiterate society. And that biblical illiteracy also it permeates the church. And so we don't know Moses from Paul. We don't know Genesis from Revelation. We don't know what's happening in between. And so as a result, we're missing out on so much wisdom and revelation that God wants to give us through the pages of Scripture. And so this is why I'm serious when I say a proverb a day keeps the foolishness away. We should be reading the book of Proverbs because God does something when we begin to ingest and take it in and slowly read Scripture. There's something that the Spirit does connecting the words of Scripture to our hearts that grows us in wisdom. This is why later on this summer, we're going to be offering classes on how to study Scripture. We offer a Bible study on, on, on Monday nights, every Monday night, on, on through the Word, on how do we grow in biblical literacy, and how do we understand what Scripture says, how do we know what, how Scripture applies to our lives. The sad reality is that you see many Christians going to horoscopes to get wisdom than to Scripture. Middle daily news right there, I'm an Aries, I'm a Capricorn, whatever it is, and we get all this wisdom here, and yet we're biblically illiterate. And so the invitation to us is, how do we allow the pages of Scripture, this is why we're saying read a a, a chapter every day, because when you begin to do that, contemplatively, reflectively, prayerfully, God's wisdom becomes available to us. And third is this, it's the people of God. How do we grow in wisdom? We grow in wisdom through the people of God. And not just any people of God, people of God with experience and wisdom. You and I have all met Christians that were Christians for a while but had no wisdom. Sometimes you're like, man, I should just get advice from a non-Christian instead of this guy right here, you know? And so we need to grow 
and wisdom through the people of God. This is why in the year to come, uh, we're looking to uh, put together really a pastoral community of wise counselors. That God has anointed many of you in this room and in our church, and God has allowed you to go to particular experiences, and you've come out on the other side learning and growing in wisdom. And that wisdom is not just for you, it's to be handed over to someone else. And I love that we're an intergenerational church, that we have folks in our teens and 20s and college and young adults and all the way up to 80s and sometimes 90s. And, and I love that because we get an opportunity to learn from one another. And so in the, the years to come, we're creating a pastoral community of folks like you that God has used and God has given wisdom. Why? So that we don't have to repeat the folly of one, another generation, that we don't have to keep on making the same mistakes. And so how have you let fear, pride, and shame keep you from searching today? In whatever area you need, how have you let it? Every Sunday we gather is an invitation to repent. Every Sunday when we come to church, it's an invitation to repent. We repent not to get grace. We repent from a place of grace. And we repent today in this way, Lord, I have allowed my fear to keep me from searching. I have allowed my pride to keep me from searching, to asking for help, to exposing my limitations. Lord, I have allowed my shame to shackle me and keep me in bondage. And I've suffered in isolation for many years. Today's an opportunity to repent and say, Lord, by your spirit and by your power, help me to put aside fear. And help me to put aside pride and help me to put aside shame so that I can search for wisdom and walk in the path that you have for me. Let me close with this. The gospel is an invitation to repent so that we can position ourselves to experience the life that Jesus offers. And this is what I love about the gospel. The gospel is not just that Jesus is Lord and I am not and you are not. The gospel message is this beautiful message that God can take our mistakes. God can take our foolishness and somehow by his grace turn it around for good. This is the God we believe in. We believe in a God who can take our foolishness and our mistakes when we offer it to him. And somehow, through his sovereign, powerful grace, turn it around for good. And so you say, Rich, I, I made decisions, I, I, I made some fool, and, and you might be experiencing the consequences of those decisions. But even so, God can take your foolishness and my foolishness. God can take my mistakes and your mistakes and somehow reorient it so that good can come out of it. But it means that we offer to God our foolishness, trusting in his sovereign grace to make everything right. God will waste nothing, not even our foolishness. Let's pray together. Let me invite the worship team to come forward. Maybe today you need wisdom but you haven't been searching for it. You've been trying to figure it out on your own. Shame has shackled you. Pride has kept you in bondage. 
fear has permeated your existence. And today we say, Lord, take our fear. Help me to give off my pride. Help me to give away my shame so that I may experience newness of life. And so what do you need to give away today to God? Submit to him. I'm give us a couple of moments and then we'll sing together. Lord Jesus, we recognize our limitations, our weaknesses, our foolishness, and the words that we have said and the things that we have done. And Lord, help us today by your spirit to cry out for wisdom, to search for wisdom, so that we may walk in the path of your kingdom, your wise kingdom. Lord, as we sing to you, melt pride away, melt shame away, melt our fears. Move us towards one another. Move us towards you. You are the all-sufficient one. We sing to you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, let's all stand. Let's sing together. I said earlier that one of the saddest realities that we can experience as human beings, as people of God, is suffering in isolation. Needless pain because we allowed our fear, our pride, and our shame to keep us from asking for help, from searching for wisdom. We experience pain that God said, I never meant for you to go through that. And so as a church, one of the ways that we are the church, the people of God, is that we're relying on each other. This is why we have small groups. This is why we have courses. We're relying on each other. That we are growing in knowing others and being known by others. And appropriately becoming more transparent and vulnerable with one another. And God meeting us in that place. And one of the ways that we are become a step of vulnerability is receiving prayer. This is why we end with receiving prayer every Sunday. When you receive prayer, it's one of the ways that we confess our limitations, our weaknesses, our frailty. You're saying, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the strength. I don't have all the wisdom. But God can give it, and God usually, God tends to give it in response to prayer. Not just our prayer for ourselves, but allowing others to pray for us. So maybe today you've been suffering in isolation. Maybe your marriage, financially, vocationally, in your health, you never said anything to anyone. You've been suffering in pain by yourself. Today's an opportunity to say, I need. This is the way we search for wisdom. 
So our prayer team will be here. The Lord's table is here. The Lord's table is the table of grace, but it's also, it's a table of foolishness. The foolishness of God, where God says, I will rescue the world, I'll redeem the world through the foolishness of the cross. And so when you come and take bread and dip it in the cup, this is what I hope you're saying, Lord, make me foolish the way you're foolish. Your foolishness is the wisdom that the world desperately wants. So when you come, you, Jesus Christ was broken, he was bruised, his blood was poured out. It's the foolishness of the cross that leads to life, to the wisdom of God. So you can come to receive the bread and the cup. But as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. We cannot give what we have not received. And this is why we close with our hands in a posture of receiving. This is the posture saying, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the strength. But Lord, you do. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, searching for wisdom in every area of your life. And may God meet you. May he melt away your shame. May he melt away your pride and your fear. And may you experience his life. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the wise name of Jesus. And the people of God said, amen. Grace and peace to everyone. Thank you.